Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. So we're continuing our series uh, called On Earth. When uh, Jesus um, is teaching us how to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he is teaching us if this whole life thing is not about escaping this reality to something else. It's about um, how can we be heaven? How can we engage with heaven? How can we recreate beautiful things in this life? And he did that through his works. He did that through his words. And his words were through these Stories and today's story is all about lines. Who here is a fan? Raise your hand if you are pro line. You like standing lines. You like getting in lines. You feel good. I thought there'd be one, right? No, I th- especially you. I th- ex- yes, see, all right, yeah. You so you you are appreciative of lines because uh, Jamie said I like when kids walk in lines, right? It does not happen middle school that those words don't go together, right? Um, like my partner, right? She's like, I don't like lines, and I know she loves lines because in lines, there's like you, responsibility. You you can actually feel and know exactly where you're at. There is a person in front of you, a person behind you, right? You're like, hey, I'm winning to all these people back there, but I'm losing to all those people back there. But we all have one common goal: get through the line, right? And there is an order. There is a process. You can evaluate it. And there's something that feels really good about when you know exactly what to do. So if you're coming in two lanes of traffic and it's closed on, it's merging to one, there's people who like see the line and they feel responsible to automatically get in the line as early as possible. And I'm here to say those people are evil. So, all right? Because there's people who, they, those people love lines. They feel obligated. They feel like, oh man, I don't want to be that person driving by those like two miles of cars, right? Because they feel bad, right? I am the person that screams by all those cars, and everyone is pointing fingers at me in a specific direction, and I say, your hate makes me stronger as I go through all of it, right? And you know why I do that? Because I believe in science, right, friends? Uh, I believe in science. All these science deniers in the left-hand lane, I'm screaming by, and then there's even times where, like, the the big truck guy will, like, he's like, I don't like this guy, and he'll pull over into the other lane, and I'm the guy that drives onto the shoulder, putting my life on the line. That's how much I love science, right? I am committed to science, um, <laughs> right? And there, there's, there's, there's something that we like to complain about. Because here's the thing. If I get in the line and someone else passes me, I switch teams quickly, all right? I, I am now like, who does this person think they are? Burn the place down, all right? And we do that because we feel like I did my part. I did the work. Uh, I should be rewarded by no one else passing me, right? If I did something hard, you should do something hard. If I am moving forward, no one else should move past me. The classic example of where we do this else with lines is in grocery stores. You have like a couple things in your hand, and there's someone else coming behind you, and they only have a couple things in your hand, and you're looking at the line, and you feel, pre- anyone done, done this before? You feel pressure, like I have to choose, like what kid is my favorite, right? And you're like, I, don't, I have to pick one. And you pick the line, and you get in it, 
and you look at the person behind you, and they go to the other line, and you feel really good because it's taking a little bit longer, right? And you're like, oh, I'm glad that they're suffering. This is really good. I chose, right? You need them to slow down to make you feel good about your choice until the person in front of you pulled out their checkbook, and all of a sudden you feel like the, just the, the, all the bad things were like, oh, and that person goes through line, and they have no idea. The person that you are judging silently, maybe even vocally, right? You, you are hope and wishing horrible things on them, and they have no idea that they're playing this game with you. And they go through the line, they look at them, maybe in the wave, just like because they're nice p- a person and I'm not, right? And, and you're like, all right, bye. And you're inside, you feel like you've been ripped apart because there's something inside of us that feels that we are worth something by what we do. If I put in this amount of work, if I put this much energy, if I, uh, I have this resume, I have the receipts, I am owed this, I am due this, and I deserve this. So Jesus speaks to this because this is part of the human condition that's been around a long time, right, of feeling obligated. And it's funny. If, if you could talk about lines, but all of a sudden if you put in, like, I don't know, eternal damnation <laughs> to that same idea, all right, I am worth or th- this person's worth eternal damnation, I'm worth eternal salvation. You can throw like those words in the mix, it gets really awkward and very complicated and very, very, very personal very quickly. And Jesus, imagine this, speaks to this whole idea of I'm entitled, I, I'm worth, I deserve. And it's in Matthew 20. And like we've talked about, in anytime you read a story in the Bible, there's like a bigger context, there's something bigger going on. And right before this, there's this rich young ruler. He shows up and he's like, Jesus, big fan of the scene. I'm liking the vibe. Uh, I want to roll with you guys, all right? And Jesus is like, hey, that's great. Uh, I'm a fan of me too. So he's like, what do I got to do? He's like, hey, follow these commands. And the guy's like, you're welcome, Jesus. I already did those. I'm in. High five. Let's go for it, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, one thing. Um, sell everything. Just take whatever you got, right, all of it. I want you to sell it. And give it to the poor. And the guy's like, hey, not a fan of that. Unsubscribe. And he leaves. Right? And this is where Jesus says, last shall be first, first shall be last. Um, and uh, Peter then says, uh, what's, what's going on, Jesus? And he goes, man, it's easier for this camel to go through this really tight space than it is for a rich person to get into heaven. And Peter, like, gets this whiff of, like, what's really going on. For like one of the first times we see Peter's like having this aha moment. He goes, oh, Jesus, that's amazing. We gave up everything. We are definitely not in the rich category. We left behind family, friends, our jobs. Like remember that part, Jesus, where you said you're going to like, you have to eat my flesh, drink my blood. And like, like hundreds of people said this is weird and they left and we stayed. Yeah, we're considered the blood drinkers. That's what they call us out in the public. We have nothing, right? Reputation's gone. Um, and so he's, he's identifying with the idea of, like, death and losing everything and how that's good. But then he goes, we left it all behind. Now what do we get? Right? That was the sign that fell, if you're concerned about the loud noise. <laughs> I just saw your reaction. Um, so Peter's saying, we denied ourselves all these things, so clearly we must be getting something really, really good. And Jesus says, yeah, Peter, last should be first, first should be last. Then Jesus does what I imagine the disciples roll their eyes when he goes, let me tell you a story about that, right? That's it, right? It's like when you tell your kids, like, hey, Dad, why do I have to wear a bike helmet? Like, let me tell you about my friend Nick Hansen who almost died and his life was saved by a bike a helmet. And my kids go, ugh, right? Jesus, Matthew 20, um, says this. And I, 
I'm borrowing from, I always forget his name, I'm borrowing from uh, his name, Robert Capone, who wrote this book all about these parables, and he had his own twist on Matthew 20, and I'm giving like my twist to his twist of Matthew's twist, right? So you, you know it's going to be good, right? A lot, a lot of twisted, yeah. So um, there's, Jesus tells the story of the kingdom of heaven is like um, a vineyard owner. There's a guy who's getting into the whole winemaking business, and he wants to make a splash. He spent tons of money, and this is the year he finds out that this is like the best harvest that's been around for a decade. And he got a weather report saying in three days, big storm, everything's going to be ruined. So he feels this pressure. I have to get this harvested now. If I want to be like one of those good winemakers, I have to do it. So he shows up to the local town hall where people are waiting to get jobs. And on the way, he sees signs like we, like everywhere. Now hiring, now hiring, now hiring, right? Like we see them all. the And one, and one says $15 an hour. The other one says, hey, look at that chump for $15 an hour. I'll pay you $16 an hour. Another sign says, oh, are you kidding me, right? The $17 an hour is way better than the $15 an hour. And he's seeing, like, all these, like, price wars, wage wars. So he shows up, and he sees all these workers, and the other vineyard owners are coming to try recruiting them as well. And he goes, how about this? Guys, you come work with me, $200. I pay $200 to come. And everyone looks around and says, that is way more than $15 an hour. This guy is nuts. He's going to pay us all this money. What are we going to do with all this money? And so a bunch of people get up, and they go with him, and they're celebrating how generous this guy is. Well, he's there. He looks on his phone, and there's a tweet from this weather person he follows, and it says, hey, my bad. The storm comes tomorrow, right, tomorrow. And he begins to, like, get hot. His heart, heart's pumping. So he goes back the next hour. There's more people. He hires them. says $200. He does this, like, uh, three or four more times. Keep showing up, finding anyone he could find to work, and everyone's working. Everyone's happy. This owner's cool. He's got, like, a live DJ playing music. Like, when they show up, like, come on in, let's harvest some, right? There's, like, this whole scene, and he, the, everyone just is, like, how generous this guy is. Well, all of a sudden, he's looking around, and it, he's got one hour left of work. He's got one more hour left of sunrise, and he shows up. There's no one at the town hall. So then he goes down to, I don't know, the place where uh, those people go, right? You know those people? And they're, like, at that bar where all those people go, and he comes in, and everyone's half in the bag, and he's like, all right, yeah, let's go. Who wants some more beer money? Who wants it? And everyone's like, oh, I love beer money. He's like, hop in my car. You're going to work for $200. And they're like, let's go. So they all come, and they're showing up, and some of those people working, some of them just fell asleep in the van and never woke up, right? And it's all done, and the owner looks around, and he got all of it. He goes up to his account manager, who's also his brand manager and his story manager, and he says, hey, man, uh, I want you to pay everyone in cash. Um, yeah, you got $20 bills? Yeah, throw 10 of them in an envelope, and I want you to pay the people who showed up last. Pay them first. He's like, okay. So Billy comes stumbling in, and, and he gets his envelope. He opens up. You never count your money in front of the boss, right? You never open it up. You walk away because you want to be cool, right? You have, like, you have your own brand. So he's walking by, and he opens up, and he sees 10 $20 bills in there. He's like, this has got to be wrong. They must have made a mistake. I'm not going to go correct them, right? But this is way too much for an hour's worth of work. And really an hour, I probably worked 15 minutes, right? So then uh, all of a sudden, Julie comes by and he goes, Julie, how much money? She goes, I got $200. Can you believe it? We're ripping this guy off. And the next person comes up, $200. So now they have to go make a scene because that's what you do, right? And they show up and they're like, we got $200. Well, everyone who's worked you know, for like six hours and eight hours, they start doing math. 
right? You remember when you were a kid in math class in Bob Clark's class? You're like, I will never need to do math in my life for my job. All of a sudden, they're like, Bob Clark, let me carry the two, right? They're trying to multiply. Maybe we heard them wrong. Maybe it's $200 an hour because if they worked an hour, Oh my, and they start thinking all the Gucci and the watches and the swag they're going to have. And the guy comes who's worked for four hours, opens the envelope, and finds 10 $20 bills. And he starts looking around. The guy works six hours, same thing. Well, now they understand they all got paid the same. And the people who were there first, who worked longest, worked the hardest, they don't even look at the envelope. They walk right up to the owner. And they say, hey, come on. Are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? These people who, like, are half in the big get paid $200 for a sandwich just showing up. And we did all this work, and you're going to pay me the same as them? What's the deal? And the vineyard owner looks at them, and actually, side note, in the Greek, the word that Jesus uses is like a sarcastic word of like, hey, buddy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I don't, that's like a Bible nerd thing, right? He says, hey, buddy. Hey, pal. Don't come at me with this attitude. When, I, when we made this negotiation of $200, you guys were high-fiving each other how generous I was. You guys couldn't wait to get to this field. And you worked hard, and I'm very appreciative. But don't come at me and tell me of what generosity looks like. What I want to do with my generosity, what I want to do with my wealth is up to me. I was generous with you. I can be generous in any way I want to be. In fact, go inside. There's a tap house. Have a glass of wine on me. Have a couple. Come back, and let's have another conversation. And that's how Jesus ends the story. reason I love this story is that in my, what do you call it, my journey, my evolution of faith, um, the stories hit me in different ways because I can be, um, I have no problem slapping my own back, right? <laughs> I can be a very, um, what do you call it, conceited, right? I have a way of, I can be cool until I feel like something that I deserve or something I own, um, then I can lose I'm trying to not use bad language. I can lose myself, right? I can lose my temper. I can do those things. And when I read this, it's like holding a mirror saying, ah, yeah, yeah. Because who loses their minds? There's two people in this story. The first people to lose their minds are the people who showed up at the last hour. They're walking around and saying, can you believe we got this amount of money? We did nothing, right? We just showed up. We kind of stumbled into this place, and we got paid this crazy amount, and they're celebrating. They might even be mocking, but it doesn't matter, right? The other people lose their minds are the people who are first, and they're saying, we did all the right things. We put in the work. We did everything that we're supposed to do, and we still got the same amount of money, which this is how our culture works. We walk around and think that we are owed something because I went to college, because I work full-time, because I parent the right way. I I put my kids in Montessori school. I give them organic food. (laughs) Whatever you think it is that you deserve something better. You think I should have a better result. Anytime that we do that, though, right? You pull out your resume, you pull out the receipts, and you try convincing your partner. You try convincing your friend or your boss. You try convincing God. This is why I'm worth this. When we have that ranked category, when we have those stacks categories, it's funny. The people who are first really do benefit a lot. But anytime you do that, you alienate an entire, entire whole group of people. And what Jesus is saying is, yeah, that works for few, but can you look at all the people who this has not benefited? Can you see all the people that have been left behind? Can you see all the people who have been, like, pushed to the margins because you keep rewarding one another? And when we do this, there's people who we lose. 
But it's interesting. Why do we have to put ourselves in places to be around what we call losers to make us ourselves feel like winners? Right? Like, if you want to feel smart, it's easy to go retweets or look at news or put yourself around people that you classify as dumb or stupid. You ever done that before? You're like, oh, look at that tweet. That guy's a moron. And you say that because it makes me feel better or smarter. If you have dealing with any kind of body shame, which I imagine is all people of all time, right? It's easy when you feel insecure to look at someone else and say, oh, at least I'm not like them, right? Well, look at what they're wearing. Look at their shoulders. Look at how tall or how short. We, we classify our, ourselves with people we feel lower to put ourselves up, right? And when we do this, nobody wins. And one, one thing that I find fascinating is Jesus is exposing the system, and if you, again, tie in eternal damnation to this, and I use that word intentionally, I have this conversation with people often. They hear that I don't believe in a conscious, tormenting hell. And I don't. And if that is a deal breaker for you, I apologize. Um, I don't see a God that is all-knowing and all-loving and all-powerful that then could say, hey, I'm going to create a place that if someone gets it wrong, <laughs> too bad, you're in there forever, right? And when I have these conversations with people, they're like, A, you're a pastor? Who let you do that, right? And then, then B, and you're a Christian? And you don't believe in that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't. And they have this overwhelming feeling of, uh, well, how uh, we have to have a God that's loving and God that's just. And so we need this place of where they're tormented and where they are punished for their sins, right? I'm like, okay, but what if we, like, I don't know, didn't, <laughs> right? What if we didn't need a place? And in the conversation, where it leads to is if there's people who are not being punished, then it looks like I'm not really special. If there's not losers, if there's not consequences for whatever I get to draw the lines of what I deem what sin is or what I believe is punishable, what I believe is bad, then that doesn't reward me and my decisions and how I deny myself and how I worked hard and how I didn't do all those things that those people did. So you're just saying that we all get in and Jesus says in this story, hey, guess what? We're all on the same payroll. Everybody gets $200. We all have access to this divine love. And if that offends you, like, whoa, 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 what do you mean? If that offends you, it means why do we need someone to be damned in order for us to be sacred? Right? And we were handed this theology, we were handed this view of, and in the Bible, it does talk about some of these places, like in three places. And there is dozens and dozens and dozens of stories of this good and beautiful God that says, I'm alive and well in all things in all people. Right? Uh, Robert uh, Kaponik, he wrote, I almost forgot this, he wrote this. This story is about a grace that works by raising the dead, not by rewarding the rewardable. Let me say it one more time. This is about a grace that works by raising the dead, not by rewarding the rewardable. And it is about a judgment that falls hard only upon those who object to the indiscriminate Catholicity of that arrangement. Meaning, Catholicity, like this all-encompassing, this wide-ranging, like you pick the whole thing up and give it a big hug. The judgment's only on those who want to judge themselves. It's like walking to a party, and there's this huge table, and it's beautiful, and there's food, there's drink, and you're excited about being there, and all of a sudden, your neighbor Gary walks in. And you're like, wait a second. Gary's don't come to this table, right? I had to work hard at getting this party. I had to find the right suit, and I had to find the right invitation, and the shoes, and Gary just walks in with his, like, sweatpants, and not even, like, cool sweatpants, just, like, 
you're like when you're sick kind of sweatpants, right? And you're like, Gary doesn't even try, and he gets to come to this party, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, there's actually like lots of Gary's. Like, look around, there's sweatpants everywhere, right? And then you're like, I can't be here. And the, the, the host is like, yeah, actually, you, you can. Stay, it's going to be a lot of fun. And he throws himself out of the party because he's offended that Gary's could be at this party. This is what Jesus is inviting us to. It's, it's easy to think of keeping like this, um, uh, what do you call those, like a counting book. Like where you have black ink and red ink, and if you're making money, you're losing money, and, and you have the receipts of everything spent, and then you have all the bills that you're going to like send other people so you can get more money. And Jesus is like, hey, yeah, keep the book. That's great. If that helps you, that makes you feel good, it's awesome. I'm happy for you. But here's an idea. Throw it away. You're spending all this energy of going up and down and profit and loss. And he's like, but guess what? We're all on the same payroll. So it really doesn't matter. Instead, of what could you put your energy on? I don't know. What if we all hung out? What if we all get to hear each other's story? What if first shall be last and last shall be first? Jesus is not saying those at the end line are also going to become like first place and they get the ribbons and everyone else loses. He's saying there is no place. If the first is last and last is first, then whatever ranking order you want to have, he's saying is, it's just not there. Everyone crosses the finish line. Everyone gets in on this divine love. Everyone is on this payroll. Everyone gets $200, which is funny because I'm going to tell an embarrassing story. <laughs> I still have bias. When I look at people and I make judgments about them, when I try deciding who is winning and losing, who is included and who's not included, right? And you hear me all the time say, like, everything belongs and everything's connected and we're this inclusive space and there's still times where what comes out of me, you know, like, uh, we used to say, um, you want to find out what's on inside of the uh, tube of toothpaste? Yeah, you squeeze it and you find what comes out. Same thing. You don't know what's inside of you until you get squeezed. Two weeks ago, we got a phone call and there was this lady um, with two young kids, was a part of an abusive relationship, um, and a nonprofit put her up in a hotel for a while, but she had no food. So she's, I imagine she called a bunch of churches, um, and I heard that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we can get you food. Easy. That's, I went to Aldi, got a gift card, brought it to her, and it felt really good. It's one of my favorite things about my job is when other people got squeezed and what comes out, and they said, we need help. I love doing that. Well, the next day, I got another phone call, and it was from another uh, lady who was pregnant, had, um, has breast cancer, got, had to leave her fiancé because of an abusive relationship, and needed, uh, was in a hotel for like four or five days, ran out of money, needed one more night in a hotel before their housing, which was arranged, happened the next day. And she is, of course, no one ever calls and says, I'm so excited about talking to you. What a, what a blessing it is to ask for help. I thank you for being here. They always start, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. Can you please help me? I am so sorry. Um, and I got the voicemail, and I was standing in front of Nikki, um, and I felt all this pressure. Because I don't know if, if you've never been in our, our office back there, it's not stacked full of $100 bills, right? Just, you know, right? There's not, like, piles of money laying around that we have to, like, push around to get to the copy machine, Right? Our budget we have cut for the last three years significantly because that's what responsible people and organizations do. We have a limited amount of money um, that we budget for these compassion calls. And um, with the pandemic, we've done more. And so 
we have to use wisdom. We have to, if, if, if John calls and says, hey, I need $700, and I'm like, here you go, all right? And so I'm feeling all this, and I'm standing in front of Nikki, uh, who's my wife, and I got that voicemail, and I looked at her, and I said, Nikki, how do we even know if this woman is even worth it? And as soon as it came out of my mouth, it was like battery acid, and I felt like, oh, I'm even tearing up. I felt like I got shot in the uh, chest with a shotgun. I felt, I, I was, I, I, won't, I won't say that word. I wanted to hit me up my own head for what I just said, right? I was embarrassed. That was, that's evil. And, and, and I, and so I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. And Nikki's like, Chris, Chris, right? Settle down, right? You could have a feeling, but we can do better. Because when you say, are you worth it? I'm in this part of the line of the people who work the longest and saying, no, 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 no. If they got paid the same amount of money, I definitely get more because I am worth more. I can prove to you. I can show to you that I have more value than those people who just rolled in. Those people say, we have to prove, ma'am, that um, uh, you're worth $129. That's what the hotel was. And in my mind, I'm like, prove to me that you're worth it. I didn't say this to her, right? I just want to be very, very clear, right? But if you're on the other end, you still have to use wisdom. You still, we, we do have a limited amount of funds, right? We have some resources. But instead of saying, are they worth it? We start a, a, a place what Jesus is inviting us into is what can we do? You always start in a place of what can we do. Rob Bell, um, who is this author and speaker, he talks with a story, um, and he says, um, what God is saying is, how can you divide infinity? There is infinite amounts of love. There's infinite amounts of, uh, of this d- divine love. We do not have infinite amounts of money, but what we have infinite amounts of is grace. And we can do something. In fact, I was supposed to announce, we started a fund called Neighborhood Good. I don't know if we put it on social media. Um, we have a separate fund that some people don't feel comfortable giving to a church, and that is totally fine. But what we're starting is if you would want to give to Neighborhood Good, that is all that money is we're setting aside just from people make these calls, um, compassion calls is what we call them, so we can c- continue to help them. If that fund goes up to $10,000, it goes up to $30. We want to spend it all until we don't have any left. If you'd like to contribute to that, you can go online. There's a little tab that says Neighborhood Good on the online giving. Um, or on our program, you can, um, there's a text number you can give to that as well. And what am I saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, i got to wrap it up. The, if we live in this place of what can we do, what can we give, instead of this horrible place, are they worth it? And in our lives, we can do a better job. Instead of judging people, Instead of like ranking people, and he, here's the thing, I gotta say this. The people I say, I don't believe in this conscious tormenting hell, then they say, well, is, then does this life even matter? If, it, if we all are on the payroll, Chris, we all are getting in with this divine love, then does this life matter? Yeah. Jesus says, John 10 10, I've come to bring life and life to the fullest. Life to the fullest isn't when you're dead and you go to heaven, right? He's saying, I've come to give you life, and when you die, then you really get that life, right? Life to the fullest means the things we do now matter. And Jesus spends an absorbent amount of time of talking about, hey, if you're going to be greedy, you're going to be selfish, you're going to be egocentric, yeah, yeah, that's enough hell for you right now, right? There's enough hellish things that people experience that we experience, right? Sometimes by not of our own doing, but a lot of them by our own consequences, I want to live a good and beautiful life. And the way that I can continue to orient my way around the person of Jesus, 
right, makes this life not always like richer, but it definitely makes it better. And that's the kind of life I want. So my encouragement to you is when you get squeezed, be aware of what comes out. How we're judging, how we are disassociating with people, even what happened in Buffalo yesterday, right? 18-year-old white kid goes on a rant, this racist rant about white supremacy, and at least you might think, oh, that's over there, those people. If it can happen there, it can happen here. How do we continue to spread this divine love and this divine inclusion, right? We can do better. So let's stand up and let's pray. Now we're done 15 minutes early. Let's go. <laughs> a miracle, I guess. <laughs> you have a low bar for miracles, and I, I appreciate that. Let's pray. So God, we, we love you. I thank you for this scandalous gift of this bankroll. And that we all have access. We all get in on that $200. And it's funny, like we can be on the receiving end of the people who worked one hour and we feel so thankful that I don't deserve this love. I don't deserve this, this moment. And so grateful that we may on the other end of saying, who do they think they are? And all of it still belongs. So I pray, God, that we can move in a place of love and that our biases and our judgments and the lines that we, like, get into and the lines that we even make so we can decide who's winners and losers. I pray, God, that we can just, like, push those aside and we can move in this place of everybody's in because that's the kind of loving God that we have. So go with us throughout this week, God, and we love you. In your name, amen. All right, thanks, friends, for coming. If you want to process about hell, which is a big one, right, I'm going to be here if you guys would like to talk.